welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, joined by John Mark Yates, who is a professor, professor of church history, of church history yep. here at Midwestern. Uh, I, I, you know, you've got like assistant professor, you've got assistant to the professor, you've got professor, so you yeah. know, the different levels there. I want to make sure we got the job title yeah. right. We want to be careful there. That's, that's right. That's good. Yeah. professor. Yeah. That's right. That's right. With the fancy hats and the ribbons and everything. That's exactly right. Time. We yeah. get to dress all medieval at least twice a year. That's right. I'm sure you enjoy that. Yes, actually. absolutely. Yes. It's so much fun. Yeah. Dress up. Very good. And we are here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri for the For the Church Conference. Yeah. You, whether you realize it or not, are actually our final interview of our Ooh. day and a half here. Let's close it out good. Let's hit a home run. Let's, let's do that. <laughs> let's set the expectation really high so That's that we exactly can disappoint right. all 12 of our listeners and viewers. That's exactly right. Perfect. Good. I'm down so for let's, that. Let's dive in. So I figured, you know, it's it's 2022. The world is changing rapidly, uh, not honestly for the better in many ways. So let's talk about something that you were writing about in 2004 instead of talking about anything that's happening right now. Correct. Uh, why it's, not? It's perfectly relevant. Yes. Actually, I think we'll get there. Exactly. We'll, we'll tie it all together in the end. But let's let's dive down that that wormhole, that rabbit hole right now. Uh, and what did you write your dissertation on in 2004? It's not a topic that people are going to hear and think, oh yeah, obviously that topic. Obviously, obviously. So uh, by God's grace, he helped find a, uh, an incredible little organization called the London Society for the Promotion of Christianity Amongst the Jews that was founded in 1809 that uh, the whole intent was to help evangelicals to reach an unengaged and unreached people group in the context of England, the Jewish community, which had been seen um, as, a, as a subset of the, the people who lived in London, but nobody knew what to do or what to, to talk about. Uh, with these individuals, and God opened up the door for an organization to start to minister directly to them. Now, this is the birth of the missions movement, right? So yeah, yeah. people are reading in the Times about William Carey, and yeah. uh, and, and they're, they're hearing these stories of things happening over there, or the London Mission Society, or, or the British uh, Bible Society. They're hearing all of these great stories of things happening over there. But now someone was finally drawing their attention. It's like, well, wait a second. There are unreached and unengaged people groups here in Britain, and so how do we help unpack that? And this organization was fascinating because as they began to cast their vision of reaching this group within Britain, they drew the attention of some heavy hitters. So William Wilberforce is preaching some of their uh, sermons. Wow. Uh, Queen Victoria's father is a major donor. Uh, the Guinness family, uh, who's one of the largest missions donors of the yeah. time, are heavily bankrolling this. The founder of Barings Bank. Uh, all of these heavy wow. social hitters amongst evangelicals are all engaged in this, uh, at least at its outset, to try to make a difference within this community hmm. and to reach them with the gospel. And it is relevant because we're here at For the Church. We're for the church and we're for the nations as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And we want to talk about the nations, but that doesn't just mean geographically. Correct. Uh, there's going to be many pastors, many seminaries students who are engaging with the, con the, the conference content here and the content on the show thinking that's great but you know what I'm just called to my little Jerusalem here right now and I think what we want to do is we kind of wind this day and a half to a close and say even if you're not a goer there are people groups probably around you that you need to be engaged with and how interesting to hear that even so early in the 19th century people were already starting
starting to think that way about their Absolutely. local context. Yeah, here in Kansas City, for example, I, I was talking with uh, a missions director. He was saying, hey, do you, do you know that there's over 100 different languages just within this one subset of this one portion of our county that are spoken actively in homes? We don't think about how the nations have come even to us. Yeah. So with that, that does, I love your phrase of, you know, of being goers. Literally, that means that every single one of us, we receive the Great Commission. All of us get to be goers. Yeah. Even if we don't get to cross, you know, get our passport stamped, right. it may just be meeting my neighbor. And it may be just listening to their stories where they've come and then finding that way to share the hope of Jesus Christ with them. Uh, and it, it doesn't matter where we are, we can do that. Yeah. That's what's so phenomenal. Yeah. So what did they do, the, the, um, the British particular Baptists that you kind of studied uh, in the early 19th century, what did they do to reach the Jews locally and how did God use that moving forward? One of the things that they were really concerned about was if someone converted from that particular community, um, they would be ostracized from their family. So in the same way that we may even see in our own day and time, even in the United States, if someone who is a Muslim or uh, someone who uh, follows Buddhist teaching and, and they come to Christ and are radically saved, uh, they may experience a, an ostracization by every community group that they've had yeah. before. And so there's, there's a responsibility for us to uh, make sure that we are discipling and growing, but even maybe providing uh, at some point. And so here were these uh, individuals in this community who they were sharing the gospel and they were coming to faith in Christ and they were being mm. shunned from the Jewish community, mm. but they didn't have jobs and they didn't have a way to care for their family and they didn't have a way to take care of this. And so the organization very quickly was saying, well, wait a second, how do we, number one, care for those who are coming to faith in Christ? We can do that through social ministries that our church already has. But then they begin to think, well, is this an inhibitor for people to come to Christ? Is it the case that people are fearful of actually following Jesus because it means they're giving up all of this? So they started to talk about how do we make straight the way of the Lord, using that yeah. kind of language from the prophets to say, how do we create environments for people to learn practical things so that they, when they come to Christ, already are on the road to actually investing in others. So they started job training, they started uh, educational organizations, they started all of these kinds of entities to help, then shared the gospel, and then people converted. So it was this interesting way of taking care and taking seriously the claims that the scriptures give us, right? To care for widows, orphans, poor immigrants, all these pieces and bringing all that together in, a, in an interesting way not because those are good things to do, but because those are things that enable us to demonstrate and show the reality of the gospel and then to verbally proclaim the good yeah. news. So fast forward 100 years, ABWE was birthed out of the fundamentalist modernist controversies. Right. We were founded by a missionary who was doing medical missions work and, and other types of um, university campus type ministry. Uh, and he was meeting a lot of physical needs, especially as a medical doctor in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. He was told by the modernizing, apostatizing Northern Baptist Union 
at the time. That mission board told him basically to cease and desist from all of that evangelistic activity yeah. and only focus on the relief work that he was doing. And he said no. He wanted to take a stand for evangelism. So very early on, mm -hmm. ABWE began with this conviction that the physical needs of our neighbors and the spiritual need that they have to alleviate spiritual suffering, eternal suffering, is, is the greatest need That's of right. all. And those things go hand in glove. Today, we live in a day where social justice has been a, a hot word. Yeah. Um, but even thinking beyond how that word can be interpreted or misinterpreted, um, there is a temptation while we are doing some necessary things, doubling down on the gospel, doubling down on scripture, doubling down on... I knew that might happen. Sorry. While we're doing some necessary things, doubling down on scripture, doubling down on the law and the gospel, that we could become so focused just on spiritual needs of the peoples in our churches, the people that we're trying to reach on the field, that we can possibly throw out the baby at the bathwater. Right. The types of things you're talking about, loving the orphan, loving the widow, the types of things that scripture is very clear that Christians need to be about doing those types of yep. deeds, uh, whether or not it's connected to evangelism, but especially when it's connected to evangelism especially, as it was yeah. in the case of, uh, of those that you wrote your dissertation on. Yeah. This to me is so fascinating because we do want to hedge against what we have seen in history. I mean, the social gospel as, as a movement itself uh, was a, a means that repudiated verbal proclamation and just saying doing those good things in and of itself was yeah, was, gospel was the gospel, right? right. Or then, yeah. And then even more equivocating to yeah. that it is the gospel. It's yeah. like, oh, we can't, we can't do that. That's, yeah. that's not what scripture gives us any shape or form or permission to do. The gospel must be verbally proclaimed. This is what, I, as Jesus communicated the um, the idea, is like, those of you who offer a cup of cold water in my name. I've always tried to use this as to help students. It's like, there's a cup of cold water, but it's also in Jesus' name. So if you're giving somebody the water, but there's no name connected with that, then you're just giving somebody a drink. And we want them to drink from long, deep, everlasting water yeah. that provides true refreshment. Gotta name the name. But you've gotta name the name. <laughs> yeah. So we wanna make sure that we're connecting those two. Yeah. Evangelicalism, broadly spoken, Baptist, uh, more specifically, have always been at their best when they are following the scriptures and pursuing the lost. Yeah. They have always been at their best. Again. Oh my goodness. Yeah, just bring it back. I give her credit. She, she at least opened the door and figured it out. That guy. Okay. Different generation. <laughs> Evangelicals have always been at their best when they have been following exactly what the Word of God says. Yeah. Right? It's the Word of God tells us that we are to care for these types of issues, but at the same time, it's always with verbal proclamation. Yeah. Those have to go hand in hand. We can't miss one or the other. Uh, and, and so if we do, we, we miss out on communicating the clearest picture of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm convicted of that as well. It's good to believe these things. We've got to also be about just loving our neighbors in, a, right. in a real and tangible way, even within our churches. Who are the poor in your church? That's right. Are there deacons that are serving them? I mean, let, let your outreach in the community and your Jerusalem be the overflow of those types of things that the body of Christ should absolutely. be about doing. Let me briefly explore one other thing before we kind of wrap yeah. up, though. Uh, one way that you've practically been about some of that uh, real good work of, of loving neighbor uh, in your life, it's something that we have in common, is adoption stories. Yes. And I 
know that's near and dear to your heart. I know you're sending some of your kids off to college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what does that feel like? To, uh, some of our listeners have adopted. I mean, proportionately with the statistics, Christians adopt more than other people Correct. do, right? So I know there's going to be some in our listening audience who have had some direct or indirect experience with foster care with adoption domestically or overseas. Yeah. Now, how do you see that as connected to all of this? Yeah, one of the things that... Paul helps us understand is, is he's using a, a Greco-Roman concept of adoption, which actually very similar to the way that we understand adoption here, but he uses it as a metaphor for the gospel. So this is one of the things that I think as believers, we are able to very clearly just say, hey, here is this picture of the goodness of God on display with us. I'm imperfect. My kids are imperfect. It's an imperfect picture, but it's still a sign of how good the gospel is that God redeems us and he brings us into his family. So we want to embrace that. But one of the other pieces to that, and you know this uh, as well, is when we do this in our fallen and broken world, we're doing it in brokenness. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. It's incredibly. It's, it's brokenness in, in our family, and you you could talk about the the difficulty of infertility and the struggles and the and the and the longing and all of those pieces that are there. You could talk about that, but you could also, on the flip side, talk about the brokenness of a family that could have been on the part of our children. And, and since we we believe God ordains the family, like. What does, that, what does that mean that that was broken and then it yeah. had to be redeemed in this other way? And what, is, what does that look like? And how gracious God is mm. to allow this amazing, amazing picture of the gospel to be seen in this particular way where we can have uh, children who are not biologically ours, yeah. but we can love them and care for them and, um, and have sons and daughters, in my case, both boys and girls, that uh, that he, he brought into our family and we can just live that re redemption on display. Yeah, and I think that so much of the books that have been written, the marketing around Christians adopting, some of that historically has been a little bit naive. Uh, yes. Everyone should adopt. It's the easiest thing. You know, just, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Hardest thing we've ever done. Yes. Um, and uh, I, I remember having a conversation with my wife not that long ago sort of pushing back on that type of marketing, that type of messaging, yes. saying, where are all the scripture verses for, yes, adoption, displaying the love of God. Where are all the verses, though, about how difficult this can be if you actually try it yourself? Yes. And, and then conversationally, we both kind of came to the conclusion, we remembered, wait a second, the entire story of scripture is about an adoption yes. that God <laughs> went about that went, that, that actually cost him his life. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, the whole Old Testament, all of it. it he, exactly He adopts right. a wayward, disobedient child, and it's us. Yes. Uh, an incredible testimony. So it's, it's an amazing testimony, an amazing picture, and it's, it's one of those things where when I had the privilege of speaking at, at churches relating to adoption or other pieces, yeah. you want to encourage people to, yes, pursue God's call on this, right? And, and the amazing picture that we can, we can show of the gospel. However, we want to be exceptionally careful to understand the complexities and other pieces, which is also why one of the things that I love in scripture, when we're saved, we are saved radically uh, by a good God who sent his son to, to die for us, right? And he redeems us, but he redeems us not just into our own self, 
he places us in a family, the church. Yeah. And there's a communal aspect of what God does and the dynamic of our local church that also brings together more of this story of adoption. My wife and I might have pulled out the last of our hairs in the process of Got some a few of left. our, yeah, just a few, in the process of our adoptions with some of the difficulties that we had with some of our children had it not been for the people of God and the local church that he placed us in and yeah. the, the way that he blessed us even in that particular environment. So it's, it's such a big God story, no matter how you write it. One might even say that what got you through that in your life and what connects that with what we're talking about historically in, in Great Britain is that it's the idea of churches that are for the nations. You might say that. You might say that. It should be a great thing for a conference someday. We should uh, submit that suggestion to I, Dr. Allen. I think Allen. so. We should. Yeah. It would be really great. Yeah. I have his email now. That's good. In fact, I actually uh, emailed Joe Allen to set up his interview <laughs> and then didn't hear back, emailed him again and said, you know, are we going to do this? And Jason Allen graciously wrote back and said, I think you meant Joe Allen. That's, yeah, that's the, that's the new uh, confusion that's on right. our campus. Yeah. <laughs> so we had them both on is that's what perfect. we did. That's right. We just that's the way to do we it. recovered it. That's right. So well, good. John, always a pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. Really good to have you on. Thank and you blessings so much. in your writing projects. What are you working on right now? How can people be praying for you? How can they get more content from you? Yeah, that's great. So I am uh, currently working on a, uh, a project that actually talks about uh, evangelicals and how they engage their culture and, and their society throughout different periods of history and demonstrating actually God's handiwork and uh, again, this idea of making straight the way of the Lord hmm. and, and giving people access to the gospel through engaging in what the Bible tells us to do. So yeah. it's very biblical and at the same time this evangelistic push yeah. while doing this, the, the work that the Lord has called us to do. So I'm, I'm working on a project with that and uh, am excited about it. Uh, hopefully we'll be presenting a paper at ETS as kind of a, a start towards that. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, this Evangelical Theological Society that it's kind of a big gathering of a bunch of nerds uh, every year, but uh, we talk about some There's ideas a few and concepts. In there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, very few. Um, so <laughs> as, we get in, as we get in there, we, we'll, we'll, we'll test out some theories and concepts and um, we're willing, hopefully I'll have a, a book that'll come out of that in a, in a couple of years. Very cool. Very cool. Well, be praying for that and yep. Godspeed to you in those labors. And thank you for joining us for this final episode coming to you from For the Church. And we're so glad to be here. Thankful for Midwestern for organizing this, for all the leadership there, for Clara Sylvester, for multiple people that helped make yeah. this happen. We're so grateful for the hospitality yeah. of you guys. We love and having you guys here. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it feels like a family reunion every time we come back. So. so good. And we hope you come back next week for our next episode of the Missions Podcast. To get more content, you know where to go, missionspodcast.com, to learn more about our parent organization, ABWE. Go to abwe.org. Before you leave, like, share, subscribe, all those good things to get the content <laughs> out. And until our next episode, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.